the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Dave Gillam from Avacorn Garden Centre in Great Baddow near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from stinging nettles and clematis to cherries. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Dave, it's a warm welcome to the programme and Storm Doris made her way across the county this week. has she affected our gardens? Yeah, you're going to say yes. Fence <laughs> yeah. panels are selling yes, well. Don't yeah, tell fence me. panels are good, um, and certainly on the nursery, we've had to pick quite a few of our uh, perimeter fences up. So more work to do. More work to do. So what's your first tip anyway? Well, with Doris, she's been, she's uh, came, sort and went, and left a lot of damage. So really, just check any certainly new planted trees that have been in for a while. Make sure they're still well supported. Um, and haven't got any wind rot from that and any damaged large shrubs boughs bits that have cracked and broken best just get in there and prune those out um, and tidy them up make sure we don't get any further damage that's a good one and of course uh, for me it's actually also pruning because the cornice the willow and some of those willows are lovely and bright yeah and not invasive some of them aren't they no no they're all right and then you've got uh, rubus cockburiana that one as well. That it's and that is a beautiful one. It's a nasty thing to handle, but yeah. it's got it's vicious. Not fun to prune. No, but it looks pretty. It's out of the blackberry family, but it's got vicious form. But it's white, and what a stunning plant to have in your garden. It really is. Um, so I would get down and prune those really hard. I like to prune them nearly down to ground level. All of those. Um, some people say do it earlier in the winter. I like yeah. to wait till about February, March. I think the books time. say early, but then you might as well enjoy the stems as long as you can. They, they really brighten up your garden. Yeah. Though. So get out there with the secateurs, perhaps tomorrow or when you get the next dry spell, and cut <laughs> those hard back. Yep. Um, we've got daffs coming out of the ground now. Oh yeah. You know they're there. They're showing themselves as the odd flower. They're a bit later this year, I think, than last. Mm. Um, but now's a really good time if you've got anything high in potash, so tomato food or sulphate of potash, and give them a really good feed, and that will help the colour, size, and strength of the flowers when they open in a few weeks' time. Some people say use a liquid. Is that is well, it easier a, or can you use easier. a granule? It's easier. I use a liquid a little bit later because it's quicker. But yeah. now if you use something like sulphate of potash, lots and lots of water, um, it and it will really help the flower and the bulb further on. Sounds good to me. Talking of things that are looking good... If you go to your local garden centre, you'll see lots of winter flowering shrubs. Well, if you don't, don't go back there. That's <laughs> what I would say, because you should do. And there's things like Daphne's, Viburnum Bodman Tents, the witch hazels, absolutely fantastic. And, of course, Shimonanthus and other... There's so many, aren't lots there, winter lots, flowering yeah. shrubs. And a lot of them are fragrant. Yes. So it's a reminder, if you haven't got those in your garden... Buy them now and get them in your garden because I really think they're well worth adding to. And the other thing that I've, I've been looking at around, not in garden centres necessarily, but in people's gardens, is hellebores. Aren't they looking good this year? They're, they're really on, on song now. And it, it's a reminder. I, I don't think about all the, these natural things all the time, but we just got some, took them off a, a lorry last week. Mm-hmm. We had a little blip of sunshine and there was must have been 200 honeybees on them. Um, and that, so it's a, a reminder that the bees, when the warm weather comes and we get these little short spells, they're out there and they're looking for pollen. So spring flowering plants are really good for those early honeybees that are out there. So always bear them in mind because I think we think of summer and buddleias and yeah. things like that. But actually they're out there as soon as the weather warms up, they're out looking for it. So what we're saying is if you haven't got that in your garden, those winter flowering things, get out, have a look what's in garden centres and then pop them in your garden because yeah. you can plant now. There's plenty there. And uh, what else have you got for us today? Well, I think we're about there on that. Um, the only other thing you can do is obviously just top up your planters, anything you've done in the autumn that might be looking a bit tired now. It's funny, actually. I went to um, a nursery the other day, not a, nur- a ch- children's nursery, and they planted cyclamen. Yes. And they planted cyclamen before Christmas. Yeah. They're all dead. Yeah. Because they, they're not 100% they hardy, don't go are right through. Whereas the violas were still fine. Yeah, it's fine. And we've got lovely primroses around now. There's, oh, there's yeah. droves of them. So just pop anything that's a bit tired out, pop in a primrose. Very cheap and nice and colourful. So they are. Brighten up your gut. Fresh up. Actually, if you think about all the things we've said, they're all about 
spring yeah. brightening up your garden. It's only round the corner. <laughs> the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Let's have a look at some of those gardening events taking place across Essex over the next few weeks. And we're going to be starting in Stebbing. St Helens Garden High Street is open as part of the National Garden Scheme. It's a garden of contrasts due to moist and dry conditions. It's laid out on a sort of gentle Essex slope from a former willow plantation. Sounds interesting. £4 entry, children free, light refreshments. That'll be a bit of cake, I reckon. And this is all on Saturday the 4th of March, 12 till 3. The 11th and 12th of March, 10 till 4, Crescent Temple Barnes near Whittam holding their spring food, home, lifestyle and craft fair. 18th and uh, 19th of March, that's the week after, 10 till 4, the Health and Wellbeing Weekend being held at the RHS Garden Hyde Hall, Chelmsford. And uh, learn about the links between health, happiness and horticulture. Normal garden admission applies. Also on the 19th of March, the gardens at Wicket's Langley Upper Green is open as part of the NGS Peaceful Country Garden. has wide, informal, mixed borders, which include Narcissi, Camasii, uh, Shrub Roses and Perennials, 450 uh, for that one, children are absolutely free. I'm going to give you one about Riddle College because this is a, a one that you want to get booked up for. It's Wednesday the 29th of March, 7 till 9.30. It's an evening lecture event to discuss community involvement in horticulture. Former Gardener's World presenter Peter Seabrook with Alison Finley, the RHS uh, community Outreach Advisor will speak about their experiences. It takes place in the Northumberland Lecture Theatre at Riddle University College. Admission is £10. Give them a call. Get it booked up. So they aren't. There's another one for you. So get that one booked early, but just a last one on the 19th and 20th of March. Uh, just a reminder that the National Flower Show takes place at Highlands House in Chelmsford. So listen out for that one as well. Sorry, that's May, not March, as I just said. Don't forget, if you'd like an Essex event read out, BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, please send all the details to me, Ken Crowther, with at least three weeks' notice, either by email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk, or drop me a line to Ken Crowther at BBC Essex, PO Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2 9XB. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Coming up next, myself and Dave will be answering your gardening questions and we'll start with Joyce from Colchester, who wants to talk about her roses. Now, I've um, cut my roses down last week and uh, I was going to feed them with top rows when I looked, I didn't have any. <laughs> so I um, dug in some potash around them. Now yeah. I've got the top rows. Can I feed them again this week with top rows? A bit early, isn't it, Dave, yeah. really? Is it? The, well, the, I always think it the, is. The potash will take a, a little while before it's actually starting to work. It takes about yeah. two or three weeks to break down. So if you add more food, you're going to have a bit of a sort of wadge of food going into the plant at the same yeah, time. That's what I was thinking. Um, so I will just wait and wait until you see a bit more growth coming from them and then just add a bit of the uh, top rows on there. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. All right. All I didn't right. want to kill them with Colin. <laughs> no, and the, the most important thing, Joyce, is that you've pointed out that a good rose food is so important to use a rose food in preference to just a food. I know you've given it yeah. potash, which is right. Don't yeah. get me wrong. You're giving oh. it a nice early feed. But... When people prune roses, it's so important to give them the feed to give them yes. a, a, a chance to produce some beautiful blooms. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, Thank thanks you for your help. That's a okay. pleasure. That's Joyce from Colchester, and it is a reminder, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I don't know when you prune. I'm a bit of a March pruning roses, but I'm, a lot of I'm people. I'm terrible. Listen. I just do it when I when, when I'm you there. feel like it. When you feel <laughs> like it, yeah. And let's go to Maureen from Malden. Oh, it's Hello. all the M's today with you, isn't it, Maureen from Malden? <laughs> Hello. My, my question, please. Yes. I grow outdoor lilies in yep. the garden, you know, in big pots. Oh, lovely. And last year I noticed little tiny red beetles running up and down yep. the stalks and eating their way through the leaves. <laughs> they yes. do. The flowers came out absolutely beautiful. 
Now, you were I lucky. normally <laughs> leave the bulbs in the pots and up they come the next year. Have I now got to um, totally repot them because the, the red beetles may have laid eggs or something in the soil? Um, I'm not sure that they do. I think they're just around. They hide up normally in the hedges and things and then start going. Is there a, there's not a drench you can use anyway, is there? Um, or is there a drench? There is a drench for vine weevil, whether it has an that. effect and on there. It might be worth having, yeah. a, having a go, mightn't it, if they're um, all in pots? How long have they been in the pots? Oh, crikey. I'd say a good four years now. Oh, right. It is, I mean, just from a cultural point of view, it's probably it's worth taking them out, and you'll probably find you'll have something you can divide and repots. It's probably good after that period of time, beetles or not. Um, yeah. And you can always then check the compost to see if there is anything lurking around in there. But four years, probably time to... To give I mean, them a, I a fresh go. Take out more or less half the pot anyway, and re, yeah. you know, put resoil. Oh, that's good. Compost in. That's a good thing year. to do. Yeah, it's just to stop the because they will still naturally divide, and you just don't want them to get congested in there and then reduce the flowering this year. Dave, right? Okay. When you sit now, just harm the bulbs if I totally empty the pots and start afresh. No, they should be just, right now. They've just started rooting, so if you lift them out, they'll have a bit of root around them, but yeah. that won't hurt. Lovely. Thank you very much. Just indeed. a thought, though. <clears throat> when you see the beetles, they're mm. a bit of a devil to get rid of <laughs> because the when they see you, well, see you or feel you going towards it, they'll drop onto the soil and they turn upside down so they're black, so you can't see them. Mm. What, what I did last year, I very gently knocked them into a coffee jar. Well done. And then I'm afraid I put the lid on. Good for you. <laughs> and there is a spray you can use for it. Isn't yeah. there a systemic spray, is there still? Well, you had, you had Provado that was probably the best one for it, but, but you've that's still got, changed. You've still got um, the other one, haven't you? The, the Bug, Clear. Bug Clear Ultra, yeah. which is systemic, isn't the, it? Yeah, they still have it, but not for the length of time they used to be. No. But you need to just, as soon as first sign, spray. spray. Okay. Right. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, Maureen from Malden, and we go to Keith. Don't forget that number to call is 0300 200 4041. Have you had limbs of your trees crack, snap? break do you want help in advice on those we can help you with that we can't build your fences for you though we're not up to that we're <laughs> no. not coming out <clears throat> and building fences keith from basildon hi keith hi okay good to you both it's probably an easy one it's how to divide a gunner i'm actually growing a gunner in a large pot mm-hmm. okay now it's, now it's outgrown its pot so i wish to divide it basically or it's so just about all right because the crown will have. Has the crown started moving? Uh, the crown started moving. Yes, it has. Yeah, just, okay, yeah. just. So it's just. So you want, ideally, you just want to keep a gunner in the same size pot without potting That's it up right. and having a massive. Because <laughs> <laughs> the pot will be so, the pot will be so big. <laughs> yeah, they can get a bit large. Yeah, it's just got to really lift it out there. Um, you're going to need a few tools because they're pretty tough. Them crowns. I'd, I'd lift it out and chop it with a spade. Yes, yeah. I'm if you feel brutal, brutal but... enough, you can cut a spade <coughs> or uh, go with a two-fork technique. Nah, it doesn't work. <laughs> spade. <laughs> spade, oh, actually. Okay. The other one that's quite good you can cut through is a bread knife. Yes. All oh, right. Yeah. I use an old wood saw. They you are. know, the old wood saws. One so, that you don't want to cut good wood, wood with it. anymore. But, uh, they do work, don't they? It's nice and toothy and you can get through cleanly and cut. Got to see that you've got a nice. You need crown a whole bud. whole round <clears throat> crown bud still remaining. And what about what time, basically? Get it done as now. soon as yeah. Don't leave it after the program, <laughs> of course. <laughs> this afternoon. All right. Okay. <laughs> Thanks very okay. much. Thank you so much for your. Oh, and put it. What are you What are you growing it in? A, a multi-purpose or a John Innes? Uh, multi-purpose. You could. I would personally number put it in three. a John Innes number three. Yeah. You'll get a better result for it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll actually do that when I actually put it back in. And yes. also, you get a more solid, uh, solid weight in the pot, and it's less likely to blow over. It's, well, it's, it's very heavy. It's a big, massive, great pot. But well, yeah, it's not know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Okay, <laughs> that's Keith from Basildon with his gunnera. <clears throat> you can grow all sorts of things in pots. People yeah. are a bit afraid to, aren't they? Need a lot of water for a gunnera in the pot. <sighs> Do because they're really they're a, a pond <laughs> marginal. Well, marginal plant. Yeah. Um, Madeline yeah. in Wickford, you've got an apple tree. What sort? I had a James Grieve uh, last year, um, M27. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, patio. Uh-huh. And I just dug it in. I'd like to try it in a pot. What size pot would I use? Um, if so I could. <laughs> ideally, I would say 18 inch to two foot. Yeah. At least. Yeah. At yeah. least. Ideally. No no smaller. Um, yeah. It depends if you want to go down the, the route of having to repot again 
later on down the line. But um, yeah. although it is an M27 and it will stay dwarf, you still do need to. It's not do that a bit small of, an M27. Bit of pruning, is it? no. It's it's normally six to six to eight feet fruiting height, but oh, most it? trees you can control with pruning. So just keep an eye on it. I yeah. knew that he's a good man. That was my next question today. Yeah. Remind them what compost they should John use. John Lennon's number three. Oh, John is number three. Yeah, nice soil-based compost. All right. And then don't forget you'll need to feed it on a regular basis and keep yeah. it. don't let it dry out in summer. My husband's echoing behind. He's <laughs> Do you know, I, I know he you should got, be on here. <laughs> yeah, you've got a prompter, haven't you, there? Um, <clears throat> I, I would use, not necessarily bone meal, because um, that's really just for, for planting. I'd use something like bluffish and bone or grow more, just sprinkle yep. it on the top of the pot. All right? Yeah, thanks for your has, has husband got any other questions? <laughs> no. Good. You sure? No, I don't let him into the garden. Oh, I see. You don't let him in. He's got the questions, but you don't let him in the garden. Is that right? Well, he's just, he's just brought he's just brought the, brought the label to me. <laughs> oh, I see. But you let him in when there's some pruning to do, don't you? He's the runner. <laughs> uh, okay, then. Thank you very much. That's Madeline in Wickford who's given us a call on 0300 200 4041. And Richard, Leo, you have a problem in your garden. Tell us more. Oh, yes. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. It's, uh, well, <laughs> a problem. It is for me. It's just stinging nettles. My half of my lawn's lovely. The other half is just a lot of forest with nettles. Oh. Give me any advice what to use. I've tried, practiced everything, but they still keep coming back. There's not, um, not much to use, is No, I mean, you can, certainly on the <coughs> uh, lawn, you can use a, a lawn weed killer, which will only kill broadleaf weeds. But you've got to, with nettles, they're so strong, you've got to sort of get them when they're young and just out the ground so that they're close to the root. And that yeah, root I'm, runs around everywhere, doesn't it? I'm digging them up and everything, but I'm taking off the lawn with it. Yeah, I, certainly on the lawn area, lawn weed I would use a lawn weed killer and just keep regularly cutting it. Most, I mean, nettles aren't naturally a lawn weed, and most lawn weeds will lay flat so that when you cut the grass, they don't get chopped up. Um, so regular cutting will in the end, beat them um, with some lawn weed killer. But make sure you use one that is for lawns, not general, because you'll kill the grass as well. Yeah, because I had a dog and everything. I didn't want to use too strong case. No, if no. licking it or something. Most weed killers now, as soon as they're dry, they're inert. They're inert with the ground, and as soon as they're dry on the plant, they're safe. So if oh. you pick a nice bright day, it, it won't be long. dries in half an hour or so, and then you're, you're fine. The dog can go back on the lawn. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, the regulations that we follow on on chemicals in the garden That's are so, strict, so strict that you can't do anything hardly wrong as long as you read the information on the packs. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks Let- ever so much for your gentlemen. Thanks. That's all right. Let us know how you get on. I will do. Uh, John from Brentwood is next up. Hello, John. Morning, both. Windy old day. <laughs> what you got for us? Right, a couple on fruit trees, if I may. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I've got a, a fruiting cherry. I don't know what make it is or anything. And um, for the last two years, it's really suffered with uh, leaf curl with um, black fly in it. Yep. Or looks. I've done it with Provado both years. Mm-hmm. It's not made the slightest bit of difference. <laughs> no. It's, not the slightest. It's a hard one, will it? Is it a big tree? Um, eight, no, sorry, 10, 12 feet high. It's only a young thing. No. It's not a lot you can do, is it? No, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't worry about using a a systemic. They seem to get it on them when the the new leaves first start to come and they get in them nice soft tips and and make a right mess. Um, And really, you've got to, the only way you'll get them is by preempting when they're going to be there. So don't wait until you see distorted leaves because they've already been and done the damage. Um, I would, when like with roses, first leaf break, just get in there, probably with a contact killer. I was going to say just, contact yeah. fruit and veg, because there's one for fruit and veg, there which is, is yeah. contact, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and even the buckler now, it, that's a fruit and veg. Yeah. Um, it's just three day. Uh, I think it's three or seven days eating after. Yeah. So a tree that just coming in and leave you safe. So what you're really saying is it's about observing the black fly yes. near enough when they appear, rather than thinking, oh, the leaves have all curled and they're full of black Because fly. they've done it by then, yeah. and you're never... Yeah. And they're you're breeding never like mad. Which is what I'm doing, unfortunately. Yeah, so normally they're there and they, they, they love a cherry. I've seen a lot 
done like Cherry that. Cherry damage is even huge. Even the ornamental on ones. Mm. But when the leaves first start to open, get in there and give them a, a spray and give it a couple of weeks, do it again. And it, it's gonna it's a prevent rather than cure job. Right, thank you. Now, the other thing is I've got a very, very ancient apple tree. Uh-huh. It's got to be, I should think, 80 years old probably. Lovely. And it's neglected, <laughs> as most trees are. Uh, the branches have come out a bit too far. Now, normally I listen to you talk and you say you cut them right back to the trunk, but will I get away with cutting them back, say, a third of the way? Depends what you're cutting back to. If there is yeah. is sort of side branches and things there that will continue on. Um, um, if if you've just got a very long branch with stuff at the end, it it won't work. It won't really work. No, I've got the branches because this is ancient. There are various branches going off all over the place, and you sort of cut back to where the junction is, where several have gone off. Yeah, that would probably that would be work. your best bet. Okay, if you yeah. did that, that will work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. And we look forward to a basket of fruit. That's it, and an apple pie. <clears throat> oh, and an apple pie, yeah. Frank from Gallywood. What you got for us, Frank? Well, Ken, I've got a, a root, or a, a weed, <laughs> which I can't get rid of. Right. I've tried everything on it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you pull them up, they smell like onions. <laughs> Wild Terrible. garlic. Yeah. Wild garlic, I would think. Is it what it is? Yeah. I would think so. I would think so. Yeah. How can I get rid of it? <laughs> Patience. Yeah. Don't Patience. don't bother trying to keep pulling them up because um, they just spread. There's tiny ones and they tiny, just tiny little yeah, bulbs yeah, in there. Yeah, that's what happens. Um, the I would just use a good uh, you know glass of fake Roundup or or SBK something like that. Um, and as soon as they they poke their leaves out, spray them. And, and spray just them keep again. Doing it. And spray and them again. You'll beat them in the end. You just got to wear them down. But remember I'll that the. If you're using something like a Roundup product, you know, a glyphosate mm. product, which it comes in several different companies, do it. Remember that it will kill anything green, so avoid touching anything else. I imagine oh. they're, in a, they're in a bed, are they, with other plants? Well, they're all over the place. They're yeah. Well, yeah, but remember that it will <laughs> kill anything else. Use the weed killer, oh, but, but protect yeah. other plants. As long as it doesn't go on the leaves <clears> of <throat> other plants, it should be fine. So if a bit of cardboard as a screen, if there's a bit of a breeze or anything about. Yeah. Um, but it's a, just a case of uh, persistence will win. All right? It will. Yes. It will in the how end. Long, how long will it take, you reckon? <laughs> Depends how deep thick <laughs> they are. <laughs> if you, you have to keep on, and the most yeah. people forget. They do it a spray. They say, oh, I've done it. And no, then, yeah. what, it does not do it. That is not enough. You've got to keep no. on. No. What, what, weekly or what? No, 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 just, no, no. You'll spray them, you'll knock you'll them down, you think, great, that's done it. But then you'll see signs of new growth coming up again, spray them again. And each time oh, you'll find there'll be less and less come back again. Oh, good. Pulling them up's no good, is no, it? No, because you'll always leave bits behind and they're spread and carry on going. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11. This has come from Mark. I promised to answer his text, which came on 81333. You're listening to BBC Essex, just a reminder. Mark says he's got a gorgeous weeping cherry, but it's a little too big now. I want to prune it. I want to get rid of some of the lower branches. When's the best time? Not now. No. <laughs> Summer. Summer. So wait, wait so until... So Mark, hang on time. in. And do it in the summer. And I would cut them, don't just cut the ends off, cut all the way back to the main stem, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, if it's a weeper, they get it depends thick, if it's grafted or not. Because some of the weepers are oh, grafted know. at the base and you get these lower yeah. branches. And if not, they're top grafted. Top grafted and they tend to be a big sort of cluster. Now, what we top. just mentioned is grafting means that where it joins the root stock. Yeah. So if, if this union is at the top, you get a big lump, yeah. which produces lots of branches. That's where a lot of them were done, weren't yeah. they? Some of the, the chills were yeah. done as root grafted. So they, and they're they were, done down below. And you get like a cascade of, le- of stems coming up. And if so, you keep it clean all the way up. Yeah. yeah. But be careful. Don't cut the wrong bits off. <laughs> and we go back to Marilyn in Shubriness. Hello, Marilyn. Hello. What you got today? I've got an oleander bush. Similar sort of problem, actually. I, haven't, I didn't cut it um, very hard back in September and that, when I think you're supposed to. I've never really cut it back much at all, and it's getting leggy. 
Um, yeah. So, like, around down the bottom, it's getting a bit just bare tree, and yeah. all the top part is where the growth is, really. Um, is it too late? I, I've since read that you, you can take quite a bit of it off, yeah. but I suppose it's too late to do that now this year. Um, it's, it's sort no. of probably slightly too early. Yeah, in that sense. Um, If you're going to bring them in and overwinter them, you can cut them back before you bring them in and you're overwintering them because they're not the hardiest of of things. Um, But I would think about doing it probably more into March, towards the mid-end of March, if we're into a decent spring spell. Um, What you don't want to do is encourage new growth too early because that will be the soft growth and that can get damaged by cold. Okay, because it, it's, it's actually, yeah, it does. It's actually planted in the garden itself, so oh, right. I can't move it about. No, no, no and it's, it. it's obviously happy if it's got through the winter. Because when I had it in the pot, it, I had about five of them, but all of them in the pot were dying off, so I put them in the garden, and this was the one that survived. <laughs> it's the resilient one. So I would just wait until perhaps mid-March, um, and if the weather's you know looking like it's turning and, and more spring-like, go at it then. So can I? How much can I cut off? Oh, you can probably chop it in half if you wanted to. Yeah, really. They don't okay. mind pruning. It's but just as long the time. as it's the timing that's so important. Right. So March, sort of end of March. Yeah, you just want the new growth to come when we're not going to get sort of sharp frosts and things. So okay. it'll take a little while to wake up from the prune. Okay. Okay, that's lovely. Thank you. All right, Marilyn in Shoebrineth. I said we got a couple of emails. Uh, Margaret Madden from Stanware sent us that lovely picture of a hellebore uh, <clears throat> growing in a garden. He, she said, is it big for being a hellebore? I have a couple growing in pots which are much smaller. The trouble is, hellebore, well, not the trouble. The thing about <laughs> hellebores is over the last 10 or 15 years, they've been developed, haven't they? they have, a lot. Yeah. A lot of new seedling varieties were formed, a lot of new hybrids. And, in fact, there are a huge range oh, now, hundreds and hundreds. I mean, we've got a, a massive selection of them. And um, some of them now, they're actually trying to breed with upward-facing flowers. flowers. yeah. So you can actually see the, the best part mm. of them, which is the face of the flower. So the answer is it could it There could are be varieties that variety. are naturally much bigger than others. Um, and you do say that you've got one in the ground and some in pots if they're the same it's quite likely the one in Once the ground fed will more. be bigger because it's in the ground and not not Fish restricted fed. in the pot but margaret thank you for a lovely picture it's a great so, picture isn't plant. it gorgeous picture lovely plant so great to hear from you we'll go to john in wolf john hello john yeah now, hi, good you, you've got either a new garden or a have you got a new garden um, well it's new which i mean it's a new part of little Walton was supposed to be the old part um, the garden itself it's just a lawn at the moment and it looks like pretty raggedy um, <laughs> like quite poor soil yeah. um, and I just really wanted to do something um, I've got like a fence and I don't get much I'm going to get the sun in the summer but not too much this time of year yeah. um, and I just really wanted to bring I mean I get plenty of bird life in and I just really wanted to encourage you know like the butterflies the bees and you know, just wondered what I could put in a south-facing garden, small garden, and a small well, if, um, side garden. Um, it depends. If you want to, if you've got a lawn sort of fence to fence, if it's a newish garden, they normally just put a fence up and lawn grass to uh, to all the edges. Um, you sort of want to make a decision whether you want to create a bed along the length or just dig out areas and have individual plants, because um, one will need sort of more preparation than the other. But as far as... Uh, go on. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, I wouldn't mind digging it over and putting some sort of garden there. I mean, I would like to keep some lawn, obviously, to take a deck chair out on another set in the summer. <laughs> but. but you want a fairly decent-sized border, because if not, you can't plant a yeah. range of plants, can Most you? Most people tend to under-dig borders, so they'll go and dig a two-foot strip right the way it's down the fence. Doesn't work. And then the grass will die because the plants will grow over onto the, the grass area mm. and then they're trimming away, so... So be bolder than you, you may think, because once the plants get in there, it will I mean, make it feel smaller. A three-foot border is not, is not out of the question no, at all, is no. it? Um, Does that make sense to you? Yep, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Even, yeah. Even if you make it a bit wavy, so go down with a hose pipe and make it sort of in and out, so at least you've got some depth in areas that you can, you can allow some plants and have you know, multiple plants in there. But there are, yeah. for your bees, butterflies, birds, there's some wonderful plants out there. Um, Budleys are fantastic, and there's there some, some nice dwarf, dwarf ones now um, that are really getting 
some new varieties through that are properly dwarf. Um, and they flower right through. Exactly. You get the benefits of the big flower plants. Yeah. But on a dwarf variety. There's a couple, there's one mini chip, um, and I don't particularly like it because <laughs> it's very brittle. So, so I would say avoid the chip ones, but there is Buzz, uh, Buzz is another series, yeah. series that tends to be less brittle and a little bit more upright. Um, sisters. Yeah, sisters. Could... Any flowering plants the bees will love. Lavender. At least you've got some evergreen and flowering there. And on the back fence, if it's south facing, you could put things like jasmines. Yeah, Trachyspern. Uh, yeah. Trachyspern. South, yeah. south facing, you've got a, a wealth of choice. It's just picking um, the right things. Don't go out there and buy a, a great buddleia and think, I'm going to get bees because that would be a 10 foot shrub that <laughs> you, no you'll be sitting under in your chair rather than buy it. So, and, uh, yeah. and also, there are so many. I mean, I know it's south facing. Is it quite close to the house or a long way away from the house? Yeah, okay, brilliant. Thank you. Sorry to have kept Maureen from Hartford waiting a little bit too long, but Maureen, we are here now to chat to you. Good morning to you. I have a camellia oh, lovely. in my garden that was here when I bought the house. It has rusty leaves. I went to a garden centre. And they just said, use Epsom salts, but not what to do with Epsom salts. <laughs> I wouldn't use Epsom salts necessarily, uh, Yeah. It, Hang on, rust. Uh, rust. I don't, it's probably not necessarily rust. It's probably just brown spots in the leaf, is it? Is it spots or is no, it in the leaf or on no, the leaf? It is a nasty uh, brown mark on the leaves. On the yes, leaf. but if, if can you brush it? Can you touch it with your no. hand and... I, no. I have tried cleaning it. Rust you could push cloth, off, couldn't you? Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's so not rust. They've sort of suggested the right thing um, because it's, it's not, not really rust. It's it, not rust. It's a deficiency and it's normally the iron deficiency yeah. in the plant. Because you wouldn't use Epsom salts for rust, no, would you? No, um, So they've given you the right thing just for the wrong reason. <laughs> but all you, ideally, Epsom salts, um, you need to dissolve. Yes. Um, so I tend to just dissolve... It in a small amount of warm water first and then add add it to water thereafter. So in a two gallon can you probably want three or four table you know, teaspoonfuls in there, um, and then water at the roots. Right. I, I, my, we always make sure it's fed with their acacious feed and everything. Yep, yeah. that's important. It's such a shame, it's a beautiful plant. Yeah. Feeding is so important because the healthier the plant the less likely you'll get with problems with disease. I like the uh, Matsu crop uh, one with the cheated on in there. Because they've got seaweed as seaweed, seaweed based. It's instant access, really, to the plant and very easy to apply. Um, oh, and you can put that on the leaf as well. That's it, you can go over the plant. But you'll be fine. You can either put it on dry, water it, it'll take longer, dissolve it and water it in. It's probably the quicker way. I hope that helps you. Okay? And... Uh, we are going to move on to, well, we move on to Peter in South End. <laughs> Peter, what have you got in your garden? Uh, good morning. Uh, um, what I've got is uh, foxes, um, which I've plagued my garden for the last three years. I've tried everything, sled pennants, urinating in the garden and everything, but <laughs> uh, just can't get rid of them. They, they come back every night and dig my garden up for... Uh, I do. Um, yeah, and um, I just, I'm just despair. I've given up on my garden now. Um, uh, it was such, just, just lovely, and it's just been decimated. I'm afraid. Uh, I've just I'm, wondered if there's anybody any I could um, super cures around or whatever. No. Are there people that? I... There's there not, aren't, aren't they? Not really it, for foxes, I, I think. Are they actually protected or are they... I don't understand really why they're that, there's protected. There's certain though, circumstances that they are and certain uh, that they're not. They're not. But, um, I think you've got... I would go the, the real soft option. They're obviously coming in the garden. They're digging up the lawn for worms and bits and pieces. So there obviously isn't much food around where you are. So you've got two choices is to yeah. put up with them or feed them. Yeah. <laughs> If you feed them, then they're less likely to dig your lawn up for your worms because they've got an easier yeah. route to feed. Um, yeah. But there isn't really much you can do about it. And I don't think, you know, I mean, we can say we can say to the county, they've still got 22 minutes to ring us and, you know, say how they get rid of them. But, you know, I don't think anyone's going to come up with any better answers. There's than various you. sonic you've things run, and water things, but they, you know, long run term. through most things, haven't you, Peter? 
that you yes, try? Yes, I certainly have. Yeah, mm. slug pellets. Don't they? They even dig through the slug pellets. You know, we're supposed to arm them off a bit. Arm animals. Well, you know, they put them off, but uh, no, yeah. you know, and. <laughs> Um, you've got some hungry foxes and they're being determined so you know if you've tried all, all things I would go the soft option and actually give them an option right. other than sorry Peter yeah. we're not more help on that one but if you've got an answer for Peter give us a call on 0300 200 40 41 we go to Diane from Benfleet what you bought then Diane hello there I've bought um, a Clematis Cardinal Rouge mm-hmm. and it's quite a spindly plant Red. at the moment yeah, it's a rich I'm red, isn't it? It's okay to put it in yeah, in this rather blustery weather. <laughs> well, <coughs> generally, um, I'm trying to think if it's a flower in group two or three. It's oh. it's a lovely deep red, and it's not a massive flower, but you get plenty oh. of them. Um, I would plant it and I'll plant it deep. Um, so the so stem goes down deep, a couple of inches, mean? yeah, or, or more. I mean, stem can be two or three inches at yeah. least below the surface of the ground. Right. That, that'll help. The more you can bury, the more chance you've got if you get clematis wilt, you can cut it down and you'll have new shoots yeah, come from I underground. Yeah, I've had that before on other ones. So yeah. I, I mean, I, I saw a talk by a, a, a guy that done this you know, professionally. That was his thing. Um, and he reckoned he planted them about a foot deep and literally cut them to the to the top. But that's a bit brave. But I'll but plant them deep. Um, I wouldn't so worry I about it. Should I cut it off now or just let it carry on growing? Because it's got quite a lot of growth on it already. But... Obviously, it's um, quite. Oh, we just plant it deep and let it grow. I think you'll probably find it's been trimmed and it's had a bit of protection for it to be growing away now. And the ones that have been left outside aren't really growing yet, so it's probably been uh, undercover somewhere. Okay, Um, and um, is it? uh, I mean, it's not the sunniest of positions, but on the label it says it's suitable for any aspect. Yeah, they won't hurt it too much. That's fine. Okay, Okay. well, thank you. We've got an olive tree, a stand olive tree in a large pot. Uh, do I need to feed it? If so, what should I feed it with? And that's many thanks, Roy. Yes, I mean, anything in pots will need feeding, um, and spring's the best time to do it. So, again, I'll, I would use our favourite bloodfish and bone. Um, if you're not, some people don't like putting bloodfish and bone on something that's edible, um, then use a grow more or, or similar, which isn't bloodfish and bone, but a good granular feed on the top and then water. Um, and then as you water it, it'll add more as you go. Okay, and we go back to the phones. Jan from Whitham. What tree have you got, Jan? Morning, Ken. It's a tamarind, which mm-hmm. I'm growing in a pot. Yeah. I've had it for about two years. Do I need to prune it? Do I leave it and just let it grow, or do I feed it? I don't quite know what Have to you do got flowers it. on it? I did have last year. And none now? No, not at the moment. Where have you got it? Um, in the garden, in the pot. Protected-ish, uh, yeah. Sort yeah, of. Flowers. <laughs> flowers. Well, <laughs> normally flowers citrus, early, citrus plants, it's since they flower early, in sort of quite early. Because I, I, I mess about with them, but all I tend to do is let them start to flower. Yep. Once they flower, then I cut feed. back and cut feed. Back, cut back to the flower. To the flower and then feed. Right. Okay. And then you've got, you're not cutting off anything that you're going to get fruit from. Um, and generally, by the time they're flowering and you're, you've got some growth, um, it's a bit later in this season. You're not going to get new soft growth too early. Okay. So it's up to you. Right? You could tidy it up, um, but I would wait a few weeks, you know, a couple of three weeks before you do, or wait for it to flower okay. and prune back to flower. What would you suggest I feed with? Um, again, just a, a bluffish and bone or a grow more, just a granular feed. Okay. Um, established plants, there's no real benefit in liquid feeds unless there's a problem, you know, unless you really need to perk them up quick. And it's okay in the pot? Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Just, I mean, you could always just tickle some of the compost off the top and put a bit of citrus compost back on just to freshen it up right. and a small feed. But if it looks happy and it's, you know, it's, you haven't got any problems, then just keep it moving along. Okay, fantastic. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. We've done our olive tree. We've got a couple here that we should we should do as well. And I did, there was another email that I promised, wasn't there, as well. Um, it's about a black lady, Dave Gillam. Black lady, that lovely <laughs> elder. It's actually, yeah, it's often used as a sort of... Um, I was going to say, I have to be careful what I say. I was going to say a cheap acer. Yes. But if you can't get your acer to grow, 
It's a good substitute because yeah. he's got a deep red leaf, hasn't and the, it? And the fine cut feathery yeah. leaf, which much like the Although aces. Although it's the family of that dreaded elderberry <laughs> yeah. that we dig out. It is. But um, this is from Josie at Stanfordly Hope, and she sent an email in saying, could be moving, wanted to take a piece of it with her, but she doesn't want to dig the um, other one up and she doesn't want to damage it. So she'd like to take a bit with her. Um, I've tried wood cuttings, but they died off. How can you propagate? It's not going to be easy, is it? No, it's, normally you'd, you'd probably propagate it as a hardwood cutting um, late autumn, cut them off. She'll have moved by then, I bet you. Yes. Um, Could she try a heel cutting? It's or? worth a heel. I, I would wait for now it how to... How do we do a heel cutting? Let's explain. <laughs> well, how we? I would do it. How is, would you do it? Yeah. Because someone, everyone does things different. But I would just wait until you get some uh, growth, perhaps about six, six inches long, um, and literally just take it tear down so you get a bit of the old wood and the heel attached trim the tip out to about four inches pop it in some uh, sandy gritty and compost give it a try and then and you could take try. that with you and see if it roots and stand it in your garden yeah. and just i mean you can, you can do 10 or 15 of them but you know yeah. hopefully one one, one or two will, will, take. will take but ideally you do it as a hardwood cutting um but that's obviously well past and you may well move by then so try a hill tear it down tidy it up and see what happens. Okay. We go back to the phones on 0300 200 4041. We will go to Jean in Brightlingsea. Hello, Jean. Oh, hello. Um, I've got a problem with... Uh, we have a plum tree in the garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be the third year we've had it, and it hasn't borne any fruit. Does it flower? Um, I think it does, yes. Hmm. See, because if it doesn't flower, it won't fruit. No. It but if it does flower and it doesn't fruit, it might not be pollinating. Uh, we've, we've also got an apple tree in the garden. Does it pollinate? No, that, no. Or? No, you have to have plum no. to plum, apple yeah. to oh, apple, pear to pear. Oh, right. Mm. Um, it could be self-pollinate. I mean, some of them are Victoria. Self-victoria. Do you know what it is? I think it's Victoria. Well, self-pollinating, yeah. you see. They, they always help by having another one. It will pollinate better with more around than, uh, than not. Um, mm. Same as like the cox is self-fertile. Yeah, always still better be with better one. With one. Um, uh, what could you do to help it? Well, it's only going to just... It's, it's still quite young. Just keep it growing, keep it watered, yes. look after it. Uh, could we? Check. Could I put potash around it or something? Well, if if you did, come out to where the branches are. So yeah. it's come away from the stem mm-hmm. about at least... How, how, how wide is it, this tree? Hardly at all. Not too bad, not... What, not... Is it two or three feet? Yes, yeah. Right, come out 18 inches and drive a pole into the ground. Right. And put your potash down the hole and then put the soil back on top. Because oh, that's, right. where, that's where the feeder roots are. And just go round the tree every mm-hmm. three or four, three feet or something. Yeah. Okay. It's not, I mean, if the tree's healthy, it's growing. It's not, it's not do, a lot you can do. I yeah. would certainly keep an eye out um, in the spring for flowers because, mm. you know, one, one will need the other. Um, if yeah. you're getting flowers and it is purely really a pollination thing or maybe that they're pollinating and the tree's drying out and it's dropping the fruit before it develops. Mm. So um, just, just good general care and you should win. You should get right, some. Then. Okay. Uh, and I'll have yeah, jam, jam, uh, plum jam this year. Plum jam will after. Yeah. yeah, we'll look forward to that. <laughs> it will all be all be there. We'll be waiting in the pigeonhole down by the post section. Perfect. Next BBC to the marmalade. Next to the marmalade. That's it. <laughs> Mary from Grays. Hello, Mary. Hello, Ken. How are you? We're fine. We were talking about hellebores earlier on, and you've come back to us with a question, haven't you? Yes. Um, I've got two pots each side of my conservatory door, and they've been there for years. And when I planted the hellebores, they were white. They were beautiful white ones. Well, I went out this year because I'm a sort of an indoor gardener. Do you know what I mean? I look out and I watch other people do it. That's it. <laughs> and uh, they're a dark purple. Mm. So uh, do they do they change? You know, I haven't noticed it over the years. But this year, I really noticed that they're dark purple. Yeah. The only, the only thing it's likely to have happened is that it's, it's seeded. seeded, and then because the seeds from the hybrids will be variable. Um, oh, it's not yeah. that common for it to happen, but it's it could be the only thing. Or when you brought the plant, there was a young root or a young bit in there that's that's grown on and, and gone. Quite often, the whites will get shades of pink on them, and then when they age, they go to a green. 
Um, oh, I but see. I don't normally go purple, purple. or black. <laughs> so um, it wouldn't help, would it, if walnuts were put in it? Because I've got a little friend in the garden, and he takes my walnuts and he plants them everywhere. No, shouldn't, no, shouldn't unless he's taken a bit of hellebore from somewhere and planted that for you. <laughs> <laughs> he might have done that, yeah, because he's he's very very naughty, my little squirrel. He <laughs> he's into everything. Yeah. No, it's 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 either seeded or or uh, you've had a traveller pop in okay, and uh, plant yeah. itself. Right. <laughs> it's a very beautiful plant, you know, it's a lot better than the white one. Oh, well, there you go, so, it's a bonus. So, yeah, it is, yeah, I just wondered if they changed, that was all. You In know. theory, no. 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 Okay, lovely. Mary, thank you very much for your call from Grays. There's one line free at the moment on 0300 240 I said I'd get through it. We did this standard olive, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, we did that. Ken, blueberries are breaking into bud. Do I feed them now or not? And that's John in Thundersley. Um, again, I would with probably something like sulfate of iron. Um, there's no point liquid feeds this early, but too early, isn't it? Things like sulfate and the dry feeds take a while to get going. So if you if you just to sprinkle a bit on the top, um, water it, and that should be there when the plant needs it. But you know, any plants that showing signs of growth now, it wouldn't hurt. There you are. That's sorted, that one. Thank you, John, for your text. We can still squeeze... Yeah, come on, we can squeeze the odd call in, I think. 0300 200 4041. Um, Ken and Dave, my winter pansies in pots looking a bit worse for wear. <laughs> would a liquid feed help them? I would not just, really. No. It's not going to do much, is it? No, I mean, ours looked a little bit scruffy. Where just, they've had snow on them, they've had the wind, they've had everything, haven't they? So I would just deadhead them, tidy them up, um, and make sure they're not dry. And you'll probably find as the spring warms up a bit, they'll get back into flowering. Okay, let's talk to Maureen in Hockley. Are you the Maureen in Hockley or are you just Maureen in Hockley? No, I'm the Maureen in Hockley. Hello, no, Maureen in Hockley. Yeah, um, I'm ringing on behalf of my daughter this time because you That's what they all say, you know. Yeah. They all say that, you know. No, I know. It's Get your daughter about to me, ring. But this time it is about her. I have okay, a friend Maureen. with a problem and it's always you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's got a peony. Now, she's mm-hmm. much more patient than I am because I'd have had it out by now. She's got a peony she's had in the garden for 20 years. It's lovely, the growth is lovely, the leaves are beautiful. She's never, ever had a flower on it. Now, she doesn't know whether to dig it up or to dig it, or just to bin it, really. <laughs> what do you think? I know what I would do. But well, you bin it. I know it. what I would do. Well, no, I'd, I'd, I'd give it one chance, and I would dig it up, and I would stick the spade for it several times and give it a bit of a shock, and then replant clumps with a bit of feed, a bit of new compost. And see what happens. And see what happens. Really? Because she was wondering whether she'd... Originally buried it too deep or too shallow, so she well, didn't you, know what you, she'd done wrong. I mean, you're right there. It's very important that the crown, the bud of the crown, is actually above the surface. Yeah. So by digging right. it up and dividing it, it's probably formed quite a big clump over 20 years. Um, dig yeah. it up, divide it, replant it, so you've got those buds near the top, um, and see what happens. I, I think you might find it'll do something. Okay, oh. I'll let them know. Thank you very much. That's all right. Bye. Bye. They've sorted the Maureen in Hockley. Um... Right. When do I feed my roses and what with? That's Richard. We said we have been saying yeah. when. Well, I do it straight after pruning, but I pr- you prune when you feel like <laughs> it. I always say you should prune in March, yeah. beginning of March, because that's what I've always done. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's right, does it? I mean, necessarily. No, I mean, I just see roses coming in all year through the winter and they're all hard cut and they all start coming into growth that's right. and they're fine. So. But, but feed is only going to be taken up when there's growth. When there's growth. So keep an eye on the plant. When it's showing signs of growth, feed it. Just just give a bit more time if you're using a, a granular feed compared to a liquid feed. And yes, any good rose food, there's several out there. Or even, again, the bluffish and bone won't do any harm. But there's loads of rose foods. Mostly, they're on a deal. Okay. Uh, Pam from Stanway says that uh, she's got two hypericum bushes in her garden that have not been trimmed for at least eight years now, mostly brown with just a few leaves at the top. Will it be okay to cut them right down or will it kill them? And I know it should be done in March, but not sure how to tame that. You could do it now. Depends if it's um, headcoat or calisinum, because calisinum is more ground covering and shoots from the ground. But if it's that high... I would she hit says it they're hard. that high. I'd hit it hard, wouldn't High Pericums normally come from old. And wood, I would so. do that now? Get in there. Have Get in go. there. Cut it this down. This afternoon. This afternoon. Now, Peter, what's Peter saying? I have a problem with my Victoria plum, which I hope you can advise me. Uh, can you remedy it? I've enclosed some pictures. Well, uh, what's the pictures? It's got the bark is peeling back. Now, that is a canker, isn't it? Yes. 
So there's not a lot you can do. I mean, what? I, yeah, it's canker. I can tell you it is canker from the pictures. Um, I just cut the limbs out that have got canker on them. Yeah, give them a seal. Clean the saw that you've used <laughs> and then carry on until it's dead because yeah. it will die, won't it? Yeah. I know a cheerful soul. What a lovely one to nearly finish It's on. doomed. It's doomed. I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't laugh, Peter. But it is. It is canker. You get yeah. it on apples. You get it on most fruit trees, don't we'll, you? We'll have it. There's not a lot you can do. It, it just opens up. And in fact, they sometimes gum up as well, yeah. don't they? So there's not a lot you can do there. Right. And we've got another phone call there. I said we could fit it in. Bob in Pitsy. Morning, Ken. Yep. Morning, Ken's friend. Um, <laughs> I've, got, I've taken a fern out of the garden. I had it in a great big box. A fern, you know, the, the ferns. Conifer. Yep. Is that what it is, a conifer? Is it I'm a conifer guessing. if it's a tree, yeah? No, it's a, it's a bushy thing. It's a, like a, it's a fern that you, you, see on the, you see on the side of the road, don't you? Oh, Especially right. Yeah, oh, yeah, ferns, yeah, fern, yeah. yeah, right, OK. Fern, yeah, well, what I'm going to ask you is, I, wanna, I wish I'd never got it because it's been a, a pain. Now, I've taken it out. It's in a great big box. I've broken the box up. Now, I want to throw the roots into a box, get rid of them. But mm. There's also loads of little bits of roots stuck in the soil. Now, I know they grow by spores, and I'm wondering if I'll have to get rid of all those pieces of root. Um, if there's big enough roots, then fish them out, but you'll probably find that they won't regrow. I mean, they shouldn't. They're not that, that weedy in their And habit. you could just hoe them off, couldn't yeah. you, as they come up? Yeah, it so would not be a problem. Get the worst out. And so, Bob, yeah, I'll just hoe them off if they come up, but they won't be a major problem. One last... Mark has said that... We were talking about that oleander earlier on yeah. uh, that somebody was worried about. They have one that was so big, it was five foot tall, <laughs> a real mess. They cut it hard down, right down to the ground, and said to themselves, well, that's the end of that. It's now beautiful. They're tough old plants and they work. Good. So they are. <laughs> have a it's go. good to have some good news. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website bbc.co.uk slash BBC Essex The BBC Essex Gardening Hour every Saturday from 11 BBC Essex